0: this galatians 5 13 to 15 for you are called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed By one another. We have been freed to serve. And there are a lot of different verses we can and will quote today. And I am running short on time, so I'm going to try and kind of cut and paste my sermon together today. Because I have so much to tell you about this. This is just so passionate to my heart to talk about how we are called to love one another. But I'm not going into talking or preaching today on the 59 one and others of the Bible, because there are, and you can look at them. But we are talking about how we are free to serve. We're free to love one another. And we should not be biting one another, devouring one another. More on that a little bit later. But to start out today, I thought I'd do something a little bit different. I heard this in a sermon as I was researching. And I thought, I'm going to come up with my own equation to go along with this sermon, freed to serve. Now, I must admit, I am no mathematician. Algebra math was my worst subject in school. In fact, I never even took geometry. I took algebra one part one, one year of high school. Algebra one part two another year. That's how dumb I was with math. I had to separate into two separate years. And then the third year, I was told geometry was a requirement to go to college. I have been to college. Um, But I went to geometry for two weeks. I realized, wow, I can't do this. And I dropped it and took consumer math instead, which is like practical mathematics, how to balance a checkbook. And I'll tell you, kids, I, regret, I regretted that so much once I got to college, and it made life hard. So even when life is hard, even when school is hard, work harder, don't just give up. But here's why I tell you all this. I came up with the equation today to represent this free-to-serve idea out of Galatians five thirteen to 15. But I used words instead, because I'm a little bit better with my words. So I want you to think about this. Freed equals living to love. Living to love equals serving one another. But then the opposite side of that is this. To not serve equals to not love. To not love equals possibly not freed by Christ. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Because I want you to think about this throughout the week. I want you to think, are you showing love? Are you serving one another? Are you freed by Christ? If you're not showing your love, if you're not serving one another, are you freed by Christ? Here in Galatians chapter 5, we move into this great section of Galatians. It's all great because God's word, living and holy and powerful to strike us to our very soul. But we have this great part of Galatians which is practical everyday living and how we should be living with the Holy Spirit's power in our life. And with that Holy Spirit in our life, it should be changing how we, how we live. We should have evidence for the Spirit's indwelling in our life. Evidence of our faith. faith. We should be allowing the fruit to show. Paul wants to tell us two things, and this shouldn't be breaking news to you, but number one is this. He wants to tell us to avoid legalism, which is trying to earn acceptance before God by words. And number two, secondly, he wants us to avoid having a life spent misapplying the doctrine of grace and not living a life of love. Not showing the same type of grace that we've been shown to other people in our life as well, whether they be Christians, fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ or not. We should be showing that love to others. Why? Well, we're going to be talking about that a lot today. You see, freedom from the law does not do away with the obligation of godly living. Let me say that once again if you're taking notes. Freedom from the law does not do away with the obligation of godly living. Whether we're saved by the law or not, does not change the fact that we should still be living godly lives. Lives which glorify him by treating each other as we would want to be treated. You see, you have been freed. You've been freed from a life of bondage, from sin, from eternal suffering, from hell, from Satan and the world's lies. But it's not without its own responsibilities, without its own instructions. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Because we've been freed... We have a whole new way of living. Galatians 2.20 tells us, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If it is Christ who lives in us, then we should be living as Christ lives and how he died for us. When God looks down upon us, he sees Jesus' blood covering us. But are we acting like it? Are we acting like it? You see, I think far too often Christians use this as an excuse to just live however they want instead of living how they should. Selfishly, we live not thinking of the unsaved, the lost, not thinking about others around us, but we think about ourselves. And sometimes, I'm not saying this church, because I love this church, but we can all use a great reminder that sometimes a universal church and certain church bodies, local churches, they act like we're more of an elite country club instead of a community of believers. And as an elite country club, they come into a building and they say, what am I going to get for my time? What am I going to get for my money instead of saying, what can I give to God today? What can I give to God's people today? And I'm not talking financially. That's part of it because God does tell us to to give financially. But we also need to give our emotions. We need to give physically. We need to give mentally. We need to serve one another. We need to help one another. We need to love one another. We need to hug one another, as Leah Mona joked today. But it's so true. So often we're so focused on tearing one another down. That we fail to lift one another up. And this is wrong. This is wrong. What example do we have from Jesus' life of tearing everybody down? What example do we have from Jesus' life of not serving, not loving other people? Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ wants us to love one another. John 13, 35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. So I have this question for you today, church. For all of us church people, believers in Christ across the world, when people look at you, do they see Christ's disciples? As John 13, 35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Or are we so busy biting one another, devouring one another, critiquing one another, tearing each other down over little minuscule things that don't even matter, that they don't see the love, they don't see the service, they don't see Disciples. We should be spending more time serving and loving one another than tearing each other down. Are we so focused on our own freedom to do what we want that we fail to see how God desires for us to use this freedom for a better purpose? The Apostle Paul here is making it very clear that freedom and love is at the very heart of the gospel, and this is godly living. It's a direct response of having the promised Holy Spirit in our life, as Jesus promises us in John 14, 15 to 21, where he says, If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. Do you love Jesus? Because okay, so he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Do you love Jesus? I mean, I know we say it. I know every Sunday we come together and we say, I love you, Lord. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. And we sing these songs about our love. But God says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one that loves me. Are we focusing more on disobeying God's commands or obeying God's commands? God tells us right here, this is one act which shows how much we love him. It's not what saves us, but it does help show God how much we love him. And it's also what shows other people that we are his disciples. With the Holy Spirit in our life, our lives of freedom should be characterized by not living according to the flesh of sinful desires, but by living as Christ and as by the Spirit's guidance. You see, as we read that verse today, it says... For you were called to freedom, brothers, brothers. He's talking to his brothers. I truly believe he's not speaking just to physical blood relative brothers. He's not even just using this term as a meaningless term of brothers and sisters. He's thinking brothers in Christ, brothers who have made this admission of guilt and redemption to their sin. Brothers in Christ, listen to me. If you're a brother in Christ, A sister in Christ, this is how you should be living. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Matthew 5, 14 to 16 tells us this. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So that he may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How do we do this? How do we allow other people to see Christ in us, to see God, to see the light that we have and we need to share the, the life? We oppose the flesh. We oppose the flesh. And that's number one here. Number one is oppose the flesh. And that's directly out of God's word. I'm flipping back again. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Because we are freed, we oppose the flesh. Because of the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we now have the power to do so. And we have the power to continue moving forward and forward and forward and forward. And not backwards into our past life, but forward into the life that God wants for us. People all over the world, and since the beginning of time, have made bad choices with their freedom, and they are making bad choices with their freedom here in the Galatia. That's why Paul writes this letter. We make bad choices too, but Paul is telling them, "Do not continue to live according to the flesh; live according to the Spirit." Will we make the right choice, which is to use our freedom, which is a great strength and blessing, to oppose the flesh and run free in the Spirit? One of my daughters this week on the way to school asked me, kind of a convicting statement, but she, she asked me, <clears throat> if people wait so long to get their driver's license and they just, they just can't wait to get their license, well, first of all, she asked, why are they so excited to get their license to drive if they're not happy about it? That was kind of convicting because she was asking me, do you enjoy driving? Does it make you happy? I, said, I don't know. I mean, Sure kind of a deep question I didn't realize it but I told her I just answered the immediate question when she asked why are teenagers excited to drive I thought about one word freedom freedom right I mean think back to to when you got your license maybe you remember why you were excited you're excited for that freedom to get out of the house to do what you wanted to do but with that freedom also comes great responsibility because it leads into temptation to disobey the rules that God's put in our life, to disobey the rules that your parents have been in your life. And I remember disobeying that freedom or abusing the freedom. Maybe that's a better word. I remember not getting home by curfew when my parents told me to. I remember going to places that my parents told me I shouldn't go. And because of that, I end up also realizing that I was wrong. And sometimes you don't realize that in the moment. You don't even realize it right after the moment. You realize it later on. I remember I've gone to my parents. And I've asked forgiveness for stuff that was years previous. And maybe we need to do that too. But here's the thing. We have a license. We have a freedom given to us by God now to drive a life of freedom in Christ. And will we oppose that flesh? Will we respect that freedom that we have? Will we be excited about that freedom that we have just like a teenager? That just got their license. But will we be so excited about it that we also respect it? And we realize what we have. You see, the freedom that the gospel brings to one's life is not an excuse to give in to selfish indulgence or to do what we want. The freedom brought to your life by God's grace is not a permission slip to do bad things. Listen, this uh, the freedom that's brought into your life by the grace of God is not just to get out of jail free card to be used whenever we want, to just live however we want. We must oppose the desires of the flesh. Christ does not give you freedom to do what you want and ask forgiveness later. Christ gives us freedom and the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can, for the first time, oppose these things of the flesh and live a better life by the Spirit. Our freedom should make us live how God chooses, how God commands. A true believer most definitely can fall into sin. A true believer can definitely fall. But the Spirit allows us to get back up again. The Spirit convicts us and tells us to get back up. So if you're living wrong, you need to ask yourself, are you truly a Christian? Or maybe you are truly a Christian. You're just falling. You're struggling. Maybe you're ignoring the Spirit's guidance and power to oppose these things. Maybe you're quenching or grieving the Spirit. In such case, you need to repent and you need to turn away. You need to ask forgiveness and ask for his power to fill you. And by that, I want to specify, you already have the power within you, but you're quenching it and you need to let down the walls and allow that spirit to fully take control in your life. The Holy Spirit should be convicting you to repent and turn away so that you can oppose the flesh. Which brings us to number two keep messing up my slides number two is love others serve others as you're opposing the flesh being freed we shall now be we should now be living a different life we're reminded of this call to love one another as we ourselves would want to be loved we're called to love our neighbors let me ask you a question and you don't need to answer who are your neighbors some of you that's pretty easy maybe you're picturing the house next door to you Maybe you look around you. Go ahead, look around you. See the people, that are sitting next to you. These are your neighbors, but are these just your neighbors? No, God tells us to love our neighbors, and that is all people that is not you. Now, we do need to love us too, but God tells us to love everyone. Love our neighbor and treat them as we would want to be treated. You know what? That means that person who cut you off on 53 this week, you need to love them. That person that you heard gossiping about you, talking behind your back, treating you, or you do not like to be treated, and maybe you want to give them a slap across the face because you're mad. You need to forgive them. You need to love them. You need to serve them. Maybe it's that person that judged you in a way that you didn't like. You need to love them. You need to forgive them. You need to serve them because this is the example we have from Christ. You have been freed from you so that you can be freed to live fully to the grace of God. We need to love each other. You know, I, I was reading a commentary by John Stott, and I'm going to try and start working faster to wrap up. But here's, I, I read this commentary by John Stott on this, and he said that this very word in Greek, actually the word serve, is actually the same word used for slave. Isn't that interesting? The very word here used for serve is the same word for slave. Meaning Paul had basically said this. Don't be a slave to sin in the flesh, but do be freed to be a slave for others. Love one another by being a slave for their needs. Sacrifice your yourself humbly so that others might see your love just like Christ Jesus did for us. By seeing this love, they will see that you are Christ's disciples. And they will see Christ in you. They receive the grace that you've received, and they can't help but want what you have. You know, it's a great paradox because we're freed, and we think that comes without restriction. Freed. But we do have a restriction. We're to be slaves to one another, loving one another. But it's in that very restriction that we find the freedom that we so desire and so need. It's in that very restriction to live how God would want us to live that we find the hope and joy of a rightful way of living. Love others and serve one another. This echoes Romans 13, 8 to 10, where it says, O, nothing to anyone except the love for one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law find that interesting. He says, owe nothing to anyone except love one another. He makes it sound so simple. Oh, you don't owe anything. Just love one another. I think we can all admit that's hard sometimes. But that doesn't mean we should ignore this commandment. It doesn't mean we should ignore this instruction. We should be loving one another, and we should be doing it joyfully and happily as we think how God has loved us. We're part of a Christian community, and so often we don't love each other how we should. David Platt says, Christ saved you, liberated you, so that you could be so committed to others that it looks like slavery. He went on to say, do not presume you're growing when you're not in community. Do not be a Christian ninja, just sliding in and out of worship services and community with other believers without actually seeing you. The Lord saved us so that we could love and serve others as he has loved and served us. Now here's an interesting thought on that that I wrote. I wrote, a ninja, A ninja. I, I used to love as kids watching like G.I. Joe and different shows with ninjas in them. And A ninja takes great pride in being able to slip in and out of the darkness, the shadows, without being noticed. But we're not called to be ninjas, are we? We're not called to be living in the darkness, slipping in and out unnoticed. We're called to be living in the light. As we live in the light, people see God in us. People see Christ. People see love. People see service. People see grace and freedom in life. Which brings me to my final point for today. It's this. We need to avoid harming others. Avoid harming others. Or as it said, it gave us a strong warning. Don't be biting one another and devouring one another. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That's pretty strong. But he knew that the Galatians and us, we needed this warning. We needed to know that if you are not loving one another, serving one another, serving your neighbors, loving them as you would like to be treated, treating them as you would like to be treated, then you are at a very big risk of biting one another, devouring one another. And here's the thing. I think all of us would say, If you look out in the countryside and you see a field full of sheep, and you know there's coyotes out there, there's wolves out there, you expect that those wolves are going to try and bite that sheep. They're going to try and devour that sheep. And that's one thing. But what would you think if you looked out in that field and you saw the sheep biting and devouring one another? That's just not right, is it? What do people see when they look in the church? Do they see the sheep living with each other, lifting each other up? Or do they see us sometimes treating the church body as a place of gossip, as a place where we're biting one another, devouring one another, and not treating each other how we should, a place which turns into more of a hindrance to the gospel instead of allowing us to freely run for the gospel? We need to be acting and living in a way which is holy, in a way which is pure. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Did you hear that? You guys can be living a holy life. But it takes action. We need to oppose the flesh. We need to serve one another, love one another. And at, at, at all costs, if possible, avoid harming others, especially fellow believers. We need to start asking ourselves, is what we're fighting about, is what we're biting each other about, is it really a worthy concern, or does it even really matter? Is it glorifying to God? Because you see, I said at all costs, if possible, avoid harming others. Because sometimes we do need to have conflict. Sometimes we need to get through certain things, certain issues. And that's okay. Okay. But we need to do it in a way which does not devour one another. In a way which glorifies God. Conflict can be a glorification thing. You know, we're freed. And we're called to live in freedom. But one pastor said this. He said, you better check your alarm system because you may be being robbed. And I just love that quote as he said, you better check your alarm system because you may be being robbed. And you don't even know it. We say we're living free, but are you living free? You think your alarm system is set in your house, and you're doing great, but the problem is the silent alarm's going off, and you're not paying attention. You're not seeing that you're not living according to the freedom that Christ has given you. You're being held back, but you've been made freed. You have been freed to live in a new way, and we need to check the alarm system, but we need to not just push silent. We need call 911. We need to take action, and we need to make a change. To close, I want to say this: Christ has set us free. May we live free by resting and rejoicing in Him. Show your freedom by sharing your freedom. Share your freedom by loving and having service to others. Show Christ to all. You see, God strengthens us through the love and service that we give, and through the love and service that we receive. Can you imagine how much more our life would shine to Christ if people saw us loving and serving in all that we do? Church is often a very messy place, but it's a mess worth making. We all make mistakes every day. We do. Church is a messy place, but it's a mess worth making. And God, God knows it's a messy place. The gospel of Christ is not clean. The gospel of Christ has blood stained all over it. But it was a mess worth making. It's a mess that we needed. The church is something that we need. Because we need the one and others to help us through life. And part of that is to have people beside you who lift you up. Part of that is to have people beside you who love you so much that they're going to keep you accountable. They're going to say when you're doing something wrong. Part of that is having people beside you who just love you and serve you in your time of need. Part of that is us needing to give each other hugs a little bit more often instead of beating up on each other. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you have truly been transformed, we should not look like the world because we're not of the world. We should be living in a different way, and people should be able to see Christ because of how we love one another. We must be careful not to seek to kill and destroy the very lives that Christ wishes to save. The world does this enough. May we seek to save the lost and live truly free. And if you truly appreciate the love and service you have received through grace, you too should want to love and serve one another. Look up those 59 one another's of the Bible. And you'll see the power that Christ, that God desires for us to live with. To be there for one another. And some of them do look very weird as you look, and one of them does say treat one another with respect, love one another, coach one another, kiss one, greet one another with a holy kiss. There's some in there that might seem a little odd to you. But look to the one another's. Love one another. Serve one another. You have been freed to serve. May we run with that freedom today? Let me close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for a magnificent day where we're blessed to be able to serve you and to live in freedom. But when we live in freedom, may we not abuse this freedom in a way which we just think we can neglect your mercy that you've given us, where we can think we can just live however we want and ask for freedom later. No, that's not how it works. We should not be abusing your grace. We should be fully grasping onto your grace in a way which we say we never want to turn back and live how we used to live. Because we love how we can live now with joy, with kindness, with peace, with comfort, with all the many things that you bless us with. And may we show these very things to everybody in our lives, whether it be people in this church, in the universal church of all believers, or whether it be just people of the world. May they know that we are your disciples because of how we live and the love that we show one another. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray today amen, amen, you're dismissed.